This episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands is brought to you by... Sickers. Always satisfies. Much like this podcast. <laughs> I think this is overrated. I mean, that... I, yeah, it's no good. Chocolate and nuts together, I'm like... Oh, come yeah, on! No, I, I pay chocolate and nuts together. I, I love, Absolutely! I love nah, the, like, the, the, f- the fruit and nut mix at Christmas. Oh, no, no, no. Fruit no. and nut? No, oh, my no, God. No, okay. Okay. Podcast is cancelled today. <laughs> Andrew... It's time to go. All right. <laughs> Be a little mad. Like, I'm finally free. I said from the start that I wouldn't budge on my snack opinions. So if this is what it comes to, this is what it comes to. Day the demons go away. Lord, I need to find someone who can heal my mind. We are Hottest 100s and Thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is David James Young, and I am one of the four motherfuckers on a motorcycle that you're going to be hearing from for the next hour or so. Joining me once again, it's Nathan Harrison. I'm in the sidecar. <laughs> it's Adam Buncher. I'm sitting on one of those choppers, but with the handlebars, like, way too high. Oh, hell yeah. It looks ridiculous. And it's Andrew Sorry. McDonald. I'm in a different sidecar. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, two, two sidecars. Side two off to the same side. I, I, was, I was thinking the form of it. The ladders are much funnier yeah. bit. So yeah. I'm thinking, yeah. A sidecar, sidecar. Oh. I imagine turning would be tricky. <laughs> for other road users. For other motorists. Hey. I mean, I mean, it's fine enough to record a podcast in that configuration, though. I mean, that's also true. We just have to turn the chopper off. Otherwise, that's... <laughs> Can you guys feel it? We are getting away from the swinging 60s. But not just yet. We have one last song to go. At number 60 in the 1999 Hottest 100... This is vast, but the song touched. See my vest. Touched. You say that I'm too so much of what you say is true. I'll never find someone quite like you. Again, I'll never find someone quite like you, like you. In the 1999 Hardest 100, that song is called Touched. We've all been touched by an angel today because Adam Bunch is here. Hey. Hey, whoa, you say angel? 
This was featured in the show, Angel. Hey. Oh. So there's Is that fact why number it was one. Popular? Uh, is that why it was this popular? Yeah, let's figure that out. Because this is, this is the first song in, I reckon, a little while. So look back at, like, the last couple of episodes. Yeah. Where it's just all been generally pretty well-known names, at the very least. There's Huge acts be- like Madonna, Nine Inch Nails, Test Eagles. You're the very same. <laughs> No, so, I, this is the first one where I think all of us would have been genuinely like, what is this? No, I've heard this before. Where? Were you a big angel head? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, about to say angel, angel head. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had this introduced to me uh, during uni by someone. He said, like, have you ever heard this before? And he played it to me. And I heard- and that man's name was David Boreanaz. <laughs> 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 it's on a really good show. I don't know. I might want to watch it. So I think that kind of cements where this band actually is. Cult band. It was, I think it, this, it was one fellow, yeah. Yeah, his name was John Crosby. From Crosby, Stills and Nash, obviously. <laughs> yeah, of course. Unconfirmed. So, I was the young, by the way, in Crosby, mm, Stills, yeah. Nash and Young. Yeah. So he and, Nathan, is, and Nathan was the Nath. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> the Nash. <laughs> Crosby, Stills, Nathan, Young. <laughs> so basically, similar to Nine Inch Nails, whereas Nine Inch Nails is Trent Reznor and he has a bunch of musicians coming along playing Nine Inch Nails songs, it's kind of the same with Vast. It's John Crosby and a bunch of musicians who know how to play the the vast discography. Yeah. Um, vast standing for Visual Audio Sensory Theatre. Let's have a look at that. <laughs> Last time I checked, vision and, and, and listening were sensors, so, okay. Um, and last time I checked, they were all involved in theatres. So it's kind of a nothing just, name. Just call it T. So just call it <laughs> fucking theatre. Um, <laughs> Do you love theatre? Uh, the band or the art form? <laughs> Either way, no. <laughs> but obviously, you know, trying to play on making vast an acronym or whatever. It's all okay because the dude was 16 when he created the band. Yeah, it was a weird like, polymath of musician. I thought like, like started playing yeah. a bunch of different things when he was 13 years old. Like, he was a virtuoso guitarist. Yeah. Um, and I love this origin story because he originally started playing the guitar that he then became virtuosic on in order to play Michelle by the Beatles to impress a girl whose name was Michelle. Um, and I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that it didn't work, which is why he got into prog. <laughs> <laughs> it checks out. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, um, that's vast. If this song could talk, it would definitely ask me whether I'd done DMT. Um, <laughs> So very suitable to be the last song in the 60s. Yeah, baby. But for all that... I actually think this kind of bangs. Yeah, I, 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 it's <laughs> not too bad. Hey, like the sample works its way through oh, really yeah. fucking beautifully. Right, that's the kind of thing that I was thinking about the last time I heard this song. Is like he either built the song around the sample or he used that sample in a really, really great way because it just matches rhythmically every single moment of the song in a really great way. And the song constantly kind of surprises. Yeah. If you're coming to the song for the first time and you're hearing that kind of, you know, like Jim Morrison vocals coming in quite simply over that acoustic guitar, you're thinking, okay, this could just be... It could just be this. Yeah. And then that sample comes in, you're like, hold up. And then the big kind of guitar, like the full band kind of kicks in, you're like, hold yeah. up again. It's it's constantly kind of like expanding I, outwards. Yeah. To me, it feels like he'd written the song, it's just like, it's missing something. And then s- stumbled along uh, uh, over this sample and just found it somewhere. You know, had a, had an empty space in the song where it's just like, 
what what goes here? I feel like he definitely would have found the sample and made the song around it. That's what I mean. Like that's what I feel. I don't have anything to back that up. That's just my feeling when I look at the song and if I try and reverse engineer it. The sample itself is from the Bulgarian state television female vocal choir. Honestly, even by itself, just listening to that track and the thing mm. that it's sampled from is fucking beautiful. Yeah, it's wow. so cool. Um, it, the easiest way to access this in the way that I did is uh, just find the Who sample page for, oh, for this, for yeah, this yeah, track yeah. and you can hear the track that he sampled from. Man, it's gorgeous. But I think the energy works. Like I think the rhythms are really great. The way that it drops out and then kind of comes back in. And there's a, there's a huge kind of epic, genuinely epic, sweeping quality to the song that, uh, yeah, I haven't done DMT. Um, <laughs> seems, a bit, seems a bit intense. Today. Yeah. But we'll see where the rest of the afternoon holds. So it only lasts half an hour. Yeah, it's no, right. it's really, but it's like really intense. Yeah. You can experience like, this isn't the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <We're talking about laughs> it's entirely possible. You know, a buddy of mine took one and... Uh... Jamie, pull that up there. <laughs> Look at that gorilla. <laughs> In the chorus, I think I was getting shades of um, like the vocal way. It reminded me of um, Chris Isaac's "Never Fall in Love Again." Something about that. <laughs> I don't know that. I just kept thinking no. that, and then it should. Yeah, yeah. But um, do you mean Wicked Game? Yeah. Well, you know, you know what I fucking meant with that chorus. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. This cool song, man. This is one of the ones that I'm like vast and touched. I have never heard those words in connection together, so this is a totally unknown song. Mm, um, best. Yeah. Like, yeah, it all works. The sample is really, really haunting and intriguing. He builds the song around it really nicely. Yeah. It's the kind of thing that I'd be like, you know what? Like, if I had found this at a different time, I, I could see myself becoming a fan of Vast, right? Like, I would have at least become absolutely dickhead obsessed with this song if I found it in high school. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. This is exactly the kind of shit that high school Adam would have been like... It's, it's However, that kind of item expressed kind of like tool or whatever. But it's that kind of like right. really getting involved in in the craft of this like prog rock stuff. Yeah, like it definitely fits that vibe. The, the song and calling that- it vast and like it all all the boxes are being checked. It, it definitely you know plays into that whole you're wearing tie dye fisherman pants. Is, 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 that, is that the costume of prog, guys? Well, I think it's the costume for this song. Oh, I don't okay. think it's the costume of all prog. Sometimes prog is leather pants. It's never good pants. No. It's mm. never just jeans. Like, it's not, jeans are not prog. No. No. It's too um, standard to put on. Yeah. <laughs> They're like one-legged jeans. Arseless chaps are prog. Yeah. Unfortunately, I agree. Yeah. He's made, um, even just, just as vast, like there's eight vast albums. One of them came out last year. Like he's it's a vast discography. Yeah, yeah pretty vast. But like, <laughs> seems like the dude constantly working. It's, it's weird that, yeah. I, I guess this is just right place, right time for this kind of music, like being on Angel. Yeah. You know, that era where I, it probably wasn't live played, but like uh, Buffy and Charmed both had bands on all the time and it was definitely yeah. this kind of thing. A lot. True. Yeah, shows doing that. Right. Get, getting the band on. Sabrina did it as well. Yeah, right. Yeah. Old Sabrina. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. new school Sabrina. Yeah. But new Twin Peaks did it. You do, well, yeah, new Twin Peaks did it every episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was like, because Young Ones did it because it gave them the entertainment funding rather than just straight comedy. So maybe right. everyone's just getting in on that. We're a oh. variety show. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was also featured in entertainment show WrestleMania 25. Hey, there you go. David's on board. 
Yes. Yeah. Good shit. Yeah. Who was it, that one? I think Donald Trump. What? Oh, that one where he got stunned. Yeah, no, he got his head shaved by fucking Bobby Lashley and Vince McMahon. It was like a battle of the billionaires. My God, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was the one. As God is my witness. <laughs> that man will be the 45th president. <laughs> he will be! <laughs> but by God, Jerry, that's impeach 45! <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Lawler impression. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god, Jerry! <laughs> There's stuff to be said here that, like, I'm not going to look into more fast songs, but, like, this is cool. Like, sick entry into the counter. Yeah. I, I fucking fuck with Stoked this a lot. Stoked it to you. Yeah, yeah right. It's awesome. I think it's all right. You know, it's big and whatever. I'm surprised that you guys are as into it as you want. Yeah, well, you haven't done DMT. I guess I haven't done DMT. Well, yeah. you, you, you're famously not a prog. Yeah. Dude, yeah. yeah, yeah, famously. It's your brand. <laughs> Even if you did like it, you're, you know, it's your brand. You have to hate this, right? <laughs> oh, <guess>. no comment. <laughs> are we all slaves to our brand? Oh, yes, that's fucking. Well, in 2019, we yeah. are all slaves to the brand. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> that's a shame. <laughs> Brutal. I'd, I'd rather not be. <laughs> Is that it? We're done with this now. All right, no, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're here at number 59, it's Machine Gun Fellatio with Motherfucker on a Motorcycle. I'm a motherfucker on a motorcycle. Oh, I'm a motherfucker on a motorcycle. Oh, I'm a motherfucker on a motorcycle. Well, my pills are white, my leather's black, my chin creeps tied to my motherfucking back. Oh, I'm a motherfucker on a motorcycle. That was Machine Gun Fellatio making their debut in the Hottest 100 at number 59 with the song Motherfucker on a Motorcycle. How the fuck do I transition this one? <laughs> Fucking, I don't know, Andrew. You fucked someone's mum, I'm sure. <laughs> God damn it. Um, <laughs> Machine Gun Fellatio, uh, Australian rock band, f- were around from 97 to 2005. In my head, I thought they were more of a 90s thing. And also, I thought they were later 2000s. I just thought they had a longer span than just those eight years. Um, but yeah, the first time I'm speaking about them, people probably know about them, but like they're very provocative, mm. weirdo rock Much bands. Much better known for uh, later a couple of songs that would uh, make it quite high up in yes, the indeed. Uh, Hottest 100. Mm. They had three albums and three EPs, and then mm-hmm. it's called The Quits. Frontman Pinky Beecroft, you may know him in his work with Pinky Beecroft and the White Russians. No, may also know him if you've just been on King Street. <laughs> yeah, or if you He just-, just turns up every now and then, just like, is that... Is that Pinky B? He's like the Jimmy Pop of King Street. <laughs> <laughs> but we've talked about him before as well. He we wrote the, um, he the car- ad part of um, No Aphrodisiac. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. he's working with old mate Tim. Mm. Was, was that the only track that he worked with the Whitlam's? I doubt it. Oh. It's the only one where you can hear Pinky's influence in the Whitlam's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's got the irreverence and the zaniness. In No Aphrodisiac. Oh boy, um, isn't there a reverence in Zanius? Yeah. That, like, that's, that's the band. Yeah, known for their very, like, weird rock live shows, had, like, oh, nud- nudity on stage, classic time as a teenager, big day out, and first time you see a boob, it's <laughs> Machine Gun Flagios. 
It's it's is his boob. It's, it's insane. Like yeah. he, uh, P- Pinky, I think, is famous for going on stage wearing. No, it was chit chat. We should probably just at this point run through the ne- the, the members. <clears throat> well, this is the rest of the episode. <laughs> We're going to be here a while. Yeah, but you get to say fun words like Brian Ferry Sexual, Chit Chat from Lupin Stab, KK Juggy, Love Shark, Pinky Beecroft, The Widow Jones, and 3K Short. Nice. Like, that pretty much says everything you need to know about this band. Yeah, they, they are strict disciples of Tism. Mm-hmm. As a band. Right. Like, yeah. Like, and Tism are... Uh... I'm on the drug, I'm on the drug. <laughs> <laughs> um, they know the, and they can say, Like What caught me, like, I knew this song, but I certainly hadn't thought of it in a while. I'm not really a big Machine Gun Flacio head. Like, so I knew of this song, but I'd forgotten about it. Listening to this song, it sounds like the super, super early Tism material, like the bedroom recordings. Mm. And it's got that kind of playful country twang mixed with electronica and set to a beat and with lyrics like motherfucker on a motorcycle quintessential Australian and quintessential like we we don't want to have big fame music Even though they obviously had a claim and now like they, they had success for the seven or eight years they were together and Piggy Beecroft like if you ever just switched on Spicks and Specs you probably caught him but, on the glass house and the glass house he was, he was a very very regular person on the glass house I certainly know them more from like Pussytown like the, their huge hit that you heard a number of years later Oh my um, god, I completely forgot about that song. Yeah. How? <laughs> it's called Pussy Town. Yeah. There's a lot of songs. Oh, there really is, but not many called Pussy Town. Very few. I don't love this. Um, no, it's hard to listen to. It's no one's favourite. It's no one's favourite MGF not, song. It's like, no, it's fucking obnoxious. Yeah, I've never liked MGF. <laughs> yeah. And, no, same. And I listen to this and I'm like, yeah. Actually, that somewhat surprises me, considering you're such a big Tism fan. But I always, and look, I've never, like, investigated them enough, but I, I always saw them as just, like, the not clever Tism. Oh, okay. And so I was just like, you okay. know what? I don't, I don't need this. And I'm sure that's probably not true. And, and there's probably a lot of really interesting stuff to find in them but I've just always kind of dismissed them I think they were probably do- going at it from different angles and totally I think, I, think I, I, I agree that I don't love this song but I think you can love MGF without loving MGF's music because I think the music is definitely aside to the to the real goal of MGF which is just existing as a band and just doing what they do like if you go on YouTube and and this is the kind of following that they had they there are whole live sets of them performing at the Enmore or the Metro yeah. or whatever up on YouTube for you to watch and it's just fucking insane mm. it's like it'll be the kind of thing that you go to just because you don't know what the hell is going to happen most of the members are wearing like Love Shark I think is called so because he's wearing a giant shark on his head that's yeah. cool like someone's dressed up like a nun he's someone a else is shark. naked he, he's the real street shark real street shark hours so like you can love MGF without I would say even buying an MGF record yeah, or whatever yeah. like you're right Andrew this band could only exist in Australia and they are just emblematic of the kind of weird bands and weird cultural artifacts that only we can produce yeah. I, this works this song works more as an oddity I'm very glad exists because I do think it would it would suck if we lost the kind of bands that do intentionally egregious silly material and cool songs motherfucker on a motorcycle it would right. suck if we didn't have those bands even though this is not necessarily for me but I can definitely see a timeline where if I was 15 or 16 years old and getting into weird irreverent music and got this single or the album this comes on I, there's a timeline when I'm writing really hard for this because I would have been the kind of person who would be cataloging bootlegs for this band because I know that, they're that they have that kind of silly devoted following and I know that there is a timeline where I am the one of those people but 
as, as it stands, it just isn't quite for me. I think it's... Yeah. I can definitely see why this got in and not just to vote for the swear. Well, but that's definitely part of it. Hugely a part Huge of it. Huge part of it. And just imagine being a teenager and hearing this song... And it's almost like you have permission to do the thing that you're told to constantly not do. Be stupid. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's obviously their whole shtick. Is exactly, like yeah. The, the safe space to be silly. And I don't yeah. even think it's dumb. It's silliness. It's, it is silliness. Yeah. Very rarely are you allowed or encouraged to be silly. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's never like, hey, stop being so no, not silly. Like, you're not allowed to like, just be wacky kind of thing. Stop and, making and they, sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Michelle and create like a safe space to be a silly dork. There is something appealing to its egregiousness to me yeah. as someone who likes egregious music. But I don't know, there, it, is, it doesn't have a hook that makes me, not necessarily like a pop hook. I mean, it, it doesn't have an aspect that makes me really like, oh, that's the really that's the part I love about that compared to like Tism or the other band that are the most obviously influenced by Tism, The Drugs. Oh the, yeah, fuck, I forgot about The Drugs. Yeah, they're awesome. And this doesn't really have that. And that's okay because I like music that's less accessible than this. Mm. But... This is obviously going for a certain level of accessibility because it's being played on Triple J. And mm. for me, they're like, even like the I'm a motherfucker on a motorcycle isn't quite there for me. But it's like, a fucking earworm. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, like, it's unforgettable. You'd definitely be walking along to it. Yeah. Well, the thing about it is, like, I, as soon as I saw the title of this song, it's like, oh, I remember how that goes. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, there's something to that. Apparently, inspired by something that someone was singing at a party once. Nice. And they, had a, they had someone that's over in one of their hell. wild parties, and they was just singing this, and they're that, like, "Well, that, that's a song." That's heaps classy. You, know, yeah. you, you do that like, kind of like rambling, mumbly, singing nothing to yourself that just has swears. Yeah, like for no. Yeah, yeah. That's that's fucking crazy. Yeah. I, I I love their their use of of, of found material because. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but they also have a song, the hook of which is based around someone had called in to Triple J and wanted to request a song. But they didn't know what the song was called, who the song was by. They could only remember uh, a bit of the melody, and not even the lyrics. I'd like to find out about a song I heard last night at a disco party, and it goes something like this. No one ever figured out what song it was, but Machine Gun Felicio took the sample of that call-in and turned it into a song. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. See, that's cool. A hook yeah. And uh, the name of that song was Isaac or Fuzz, and it was their first hit. Yes. Um, before they had the full lineup of the band, which is where they're at now. So that's that kind of came a little bit before this. Wow, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, see, that, that, that's the thing. I'm here for that. This kind of band existing. Yeah, big time, right? Were, were yeah. you were you an MGF guy? Uh, I re- very distinctly remember uh, a few moments uh, involving this band. Uh, the girl of my dreams is giving me nightmares, uh, being a hit on the radio, and that being one of the first like really dark, really weird pop songs where I'm just like the fuck is going on here? Uh, That's the reaction, right? The fuck is going on here? Oh, yeah. And then, you know, finding out what Felicia was. (laughs) Oh, wow. Good. Strong. (laughs) Boy becomes a man scenario there. (laughs) Uh, I remember this song in particular uh, from the compilation CD and just being like, oh, there was another MGF song I didn't know. And then I hear it. I'm just like, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, those are some naughty, naughty people. The whole thing about MGF was just like, oh, they're getting away with it. Look yeah. at that. Look yeah. at that. That's the thing. It's not only the permission to be silly, it's the permission to be naughty. Yeah. yeah. Who said you could? Who bloody said yeah, you could? Like, yeah, just like, are they allowed to have a boob on the on the stage? Yeah. <laughs> How'd they get away? Did they, have you ever cleared these guys? What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Eight band members, three EPs, three albums, and not a single permission slip among them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who bloody said? 
<laughs> this song reminded me a bit of... Does anyone here know Bob Log the Third? No. Nope. His entire premise is that he is a one-man blues guitarist who plays, like, slide guitar, has, like, a bass drum and, like, a weird, like, drum machine set up at his feet. Uh, he has a blue and yellow onesie that he wears, and he also has a helmet, which has a microphone inbuilt into the helmet itself. And so, the whole thing to sound like this, you know, just like, it, it sounds like a 40s, like, radio thing or something like that. Huh. So it's like, he's also been one of those dudes that takes the, the conventions of blues and stuff like that and just completely fucks with it. And, you know, that's what this sounds like. It sounds like a warped 45. Like I said... I don't think this is anyone's favorite MGF song, but I do think it is a lot of fun and I look forward to getting to talk about them again. And number 58, this is regurgitated with I wanna be next! Dennis! Dennis! Uh, bringing us back uh, number 58 in the 1999 Hottest 100 uh, here on the Triple J's that was uh, the song I Wish uh, to Be a Naked Man Uh, it comes from their most recent uh, full length studio long player by the name of Art yes yes Okay, I am nine, maybe ten years old. I am sitting at home watching the Arias. The whole thing has been an absolute unmitigated disaster. Paul McD- the Arias? No. Now, look. <laughs> it wasn't like 2010 bad, but it was still pretty fucking bad. What happened in 2010? Um, that was the one that they hosted out at the forecourt of the Opera House. And, like, all the shit was on a delay. And, like, all the hosts were super unfunny. And, like, there was just a logistical nightmare of, like, trying trying to get around to people. Uh, that was also the night that Jessica Malboy described Team Impala's inner speaker as their debut album, which was, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, Jessica. Oh, sweet, sweet oh, baby Jess. Jessica. Yeah, it was a sweet... It is it- a bit of a debut album, though. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. That album's really good. No, no it isn't. Yeah. Same Impala, you have to have a bad album. It's okay. We don't talk about Team Impala for a fucking while, people. Let's <laughs> save let's... it. <laughs> Eyes on the prize. Eyes on the prize. So at the end of the, I believe, the 1999 Arias, Paul McDermott, who was hosting the show, introduces Regurgitator. And they could have done any of their big hits, the things that people know them for, but they played this song. Oh, Yeah, they did. And it was absolute fucking chaos. And I've always loved this song purely for that. Similar to Motherfucker on a Motorcycle. Like, you know, this is a song by an established band and it is no one's favorite regurgitator song and that's okay it still has merit on its own it's so loud and dumb and fun it means absolutely fucking nothing and it's also a reflection on the fact that with this album you could argue that art sorry art was self-sabotage where it was like oh you liked that album where we did all this fun cool shit 
fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, and fuck you, I'm out, here's what we're going to do, which is whatever the fuck we want. To me, this is like a classic regurgitator song. I definitely knew of this song, like, before I really knew regurgitator. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think this song fucking slaps. Take the fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's, like I said, it's fun. Like, uh, but it's not your favourite regurgitator song. No, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) I really love the fact that regurgitator can so easily do what is essentially like a Ramonesy times a hundred speed punk song, but then they can't help but have the, ah, yeah. Like they have to have a like bit that makes it a bit more gurgy, fun, more over the top, more silly, more like the bizarre spin they put on everything. Right? It's yeah. like when we spoke about happiness, having the strings in there. It's like you can't just do it straightforward. But even that, like those moments of real digital manipulation, like those bits are so good, and they really disrupt the kind of texture of the song just being that more straight punk thing. Yeah, because it's um, it's not Quan singing, is it? Ben, it's Ben singing. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure why I think this. In my head, I'm like, Ben always brings the punk stuff and Quan always brings the hip-hop stuff. Fun, rapid-fire punk, like another example of me liking a song that is adjacent to punk rock before I got into punk rock. So I guess that's why perhaps I loved it so much as a like 11 or 12-year-old whenever it came on the radio. Mm. Yeah. That's such a classic thing, right? You hear a song that's like riffing on a on a style before you know that that style is a style. Then, then like you get into it, it's like, oh yeah, it reminds me of that regurgitator song. Punk. I mean, I was enjoying the song when I was listening to it and I was enjoying the energy and whatever, but as soon as that glitch bit happened, it just like kicked it up an entire notch for me. I think that, that imbues it with such a charge of energy. It, it's a power zoom out, right? It's just a power, like it just, it changes what you thought the world of the song was in mm. such a dramatic, schismic kind of way. I love it. I, it's, it's so yeah. hyper. It just like- Absolutely. Absolutely. It makes me feel old because when I listen to it, I think of like kids going hyper and I'm sure at one point I would have thought about myself going hyper, but now those days are past, I guess. And like- Well, regardless said it did just make a kid's album. Yeah. There you go. It's true. It makes me- this, this song to me sounds like being left in control of a kid's birthday party for an hour and it's just too much. Yeah. Like you can't- There's <laughs> too many kids. They're going crazy. There's they're nothing all, you can they've do. They've all had so much sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. It, and it's awful. Yeah, they've but, tipped, they've tipped the table over, and all the drinks are everywhere, and you're like, and you're and they're having a ball, and you're thinking, I'm gonna have to clean that up. Yeah, yeah. and just like, please, no. <laughs> and as soon as you say no, they start doing the thing that you said no yeah. to more, and that they all find like I don't know pool noodles or something, and are hitting me with the pool noodles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This song is pure like. Seven-year-old holding pool noodles, demolishing Nathan in a circle. That's yeah. his songs. And just clip. screaming at him for no reason. Ah! <laughs> the video is good too, uh, with the regurgitator. Is it you being the regurgitator? Yeah. No, yeah. it could have been. <laughs> the, vi- the video is the band. Uh, it starts off with. It's a long intro. It's a long intro. <laughs> Very nineties to have like a one-minute sketch at the start of your video for a two-minute oh song. Oh my god! Yes. It's like this kid asking for a regurgi burger yeah. and then the mum being like By making your child happy, you can help make other less attractive children happy too. And then there's this whole bit with like the clown at the fast food place that they're working for, like doing the ad and he's really gross, but it just goes on. Really yeah. Long. And the regurgi burger, it's also like a burger, but the sauce is not in an R. Oh. Which is, in terms of letters, not a bad distribution <laughs> of sauce for a burger, right? That covers yeah. a fa- like what one corner of the burger between the leg of the R and the head of the R is going to be a bit sauceless. Mm-hmm. But overall, not too bad. I mean, 
You, you, the best ones would be like S and O. Yeah, yeah, exa- exa- exactly what I thought of. S and O. Yeah. V, V's, are, oh, V's not great. X would work. X, yeah, X is good. Okay. W and M. Yep. T, not great. Lowercase T. Mm. It's just an X, though. <laughs> <laughs> Lowercase T is just an X. On, in terms of burger sauce distribution, of, yeah. it's a mess in my brain right now. <laughs> like I said, it'd be straight down the middle and then a bit across the, the middle of the line. Hang on. <laughs> I don't, know, I, don't have the, I don't have the brain power yeah. for this. I, yeah. <laughs> I think, what, what do you think the worst would be, listeners? Let us know what you think the worst letter, and it could be from any... A um, period. Andrew, I'm thinking that most letters are kind of okay, man. Like, low, low, lowercase L, 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 L sucks. sucks. Lowercase I Weird is a okay. yeah. L, the dot L. Really. Yeah. Even, even uppercase L, like... Got, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, but listeners, have a think about it. Um, <laughs> don't think th- th- too much. Think about... They probably don't need, they, I'm sure they've been yelling out letters <laughs> yeah, on yeah. the train where they yeah. are right now. B! Look, Q! No, no. Fucking Q, cunt! <laughs> Look, C would be bad. Because the only, the, only half the room of your burger has sauce. <laughs> But um, listeners, have a think about letters from any alphabet. Like, so you, if you know if you know the Cyrillic alphabet, maybe there's a fucking Russian letter we're completely spacing on here. Yeah, which is uh, the best winding? Yeah. If Fuck. You have a think about what what is the best and worst letter for source distribution on your burger. Let us know in a five star review. I'm calling it. That is the worst. That's our worst tangent. How good would it be? This though? is our worst one. If you're in a pub, <laughs> this is the worst time. If one. you're getting food from a pub or whatever, and you know how like you then go to like the area with all the sauces and everything, and you're there doing whatever for your meal and someone next to you is clearly doing a letter that like obviously is bad source right? like like why are you doing that why are you doing a C on your why are you doing did a, you run out a lowercase C like yeah. <laughs> the top like of the source is in the middle I hate you so fucking much yeah I'm not proud of us oh, I'm not proud of us for I'm this. really proud of us <laughs> Jesus shit most of the time like now <laughs> And number 57, this is Blur with Tender.
coming in at number 57 in the 1999 Hottest 100. The song is Tender, uh, the album is 13, and a little bit of trivia before we go into it. Up until 2005, this, at 7 minutes and 41 seconds, is the longest song in the history of the Hottest 100. Huh. Do you think it was the album version in? Because there was a four and a half minute radio edit. Oh no, they weren't fucking around. Oh nice, we're, good. We're, we're going all in for this bad boy. Nice. Nathan, hmm. come on, come on, come on. Oh, I thought you were going to call me tender and that was going to be... Go fuck yourself. <laughs> After that stunt you just pulled? <laughs> yeah, why, why, why did you start that riff, Nathan? <laughs> <laughs> the one you keep getting in trouble for everything. It'd be um, nice to Nathan. He's been beat up by kids. Yeah, right? <laughs> I feel like it's important to lead with, I didn't know this song. Okay. Fuck for off. now, that's no, what no, I was ne- expecting. Neither did I. How? Dude, Why, I, I there's a lot of songs. Have you black never been near me. a fucking television? Dude, there's a lot of songs. Do you songs. Sorry, tell fucking a, malls? A mall where? How the fuck is that even possible? I'm sure a lot of listeners also haven't heard the song. Bull fucking shit! This and is I'm one of their biggest songs. And I'm very mad with you. No, David, you, you have musical familiarity that is way higher than the, the bell curve. <laughs> Who's even heard of Blar? <laughs> <laughs> Bluer. <laughs> I um, don't even know her. Yeah, hey. <laughs> Cool. Well, there we go. I thought it was. The I thought music it would video be... alone for this has nine million views. I've never seen the music there's, video. That's a lot of people. <laughs> there's eight billion people in the world. That's a lot of people that have never watched it, David. So, checkmate. Well, fuck. Um. All right. So this, uh, as you said, comes from the album Thirteen. This is written by Damon uh, Albin and Graham Coxon, who left the band a little while after. Uh. Yeah. So he was not on what was uh, at the time believed to be their final album, Think Tank. So mm. uh, the three remaining members of the band made that record, and then he returned when they reunited in 2009, and he played on their album, The Magic Whip, Whip. in 2015. Whip. Even Whip. at this point, though. They're not getting along super well. Not particularly. Um, struggling yeah. with various addictions. Damon, heroin, uh, Graham, alcohol. Um, yeah. And this album's also not- fame, I yeah. guess. <laughs> this album's not helping anything either. Oh, yeah. no, it's a very dark record. Well, yeah. Because they're, they're, they're deliberately trying to move away from Britpop, which is bound to cause a bit of tension. Because especially because you have the label coming in at this point being like... Uh, maybe. What don't, are you doing? Don't move yeah. away from the thing that's made us heaps of money. And also, just like in terms of like, like they were just writing music, and then people called the music they wrote Britpop, and now they're yep. like, okay, so we have to learn how to write music that isn't how we write music. Which is fucking, yeah. It's famously documented that Alban and Coxon had vastly different visions for how they wanted the songs mm. on this album to go. Yeah. So I think, like, it's it's nice reflecting, you know, they wrote this together. And watching the video, there's some really beautiful moments of them playing the song kind of at each other and singing at each other. And there's, like, a few little laughs that make it into the recorded version and stuff. And you're like, this is really wholesome. And, and it's nice to see this. This moment of things being okay. It's, it's the complete opposite of, um, you know, when, like, the Beatles were imploding and they, they wrote Obla Obla which is, like, the most forced, we're actually happy. Yeah. yeah. Come oh, wow. on! That, that explains so much about that song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, thank you. Yeah, that's you just, just, yeah. You just made that song make sense That's to a me. song about happiness by people who have forgotten how to be happy. It's the yeah. fucking Ned Flanders <laughs> yeah. in the corner yeah. of the Ooh. mouth. That's what that, man... Um, good, obviously, to bring up the Beatles, though, because this is very, like... This is a very Beatles song, for This sure. is Let's Write a Hey Jude, which I think is also a particularly British thing. Mm. Like, the British music industry loves these songs. The Beatles. But, so well, they love much. a sing-along. 
They yeah. love a huge, like, long-form song Does anybody else sing get, along. Anybody else get vibes that this sounds like it's like a charity single? A little bit, <laughs> yeah. right? Huh. Yeah, like, uh, this is their sending all our love yeah. down the well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, you know, you got the, the gospel choir coming in as well, everything like that. Uh, this is written about Alban's uh, breakup with Justine Frischman. Yeah, from Elastica. From Elastica. We've talked about them before, but they weren't in the countdown. No, we're just talking about them because we know that Elastica holds up socks. Andrew. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew is right. so proud of yourself. <laughs> and I am too. <laughs> but I, I don't know, just going through it and I was like, oh, Justine Frischman, we've talked about her. I can't remember where. I don't know if she did a duet with someone. And uh, made it into the countdown oh, or what? Uh, oh, hang on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah something. Uh, I mean, there's no chance I'm gonna actually remember <laughs> yeah. it right now. Uh, it wasn't fucking Tom Jones. Tom Jones was it? No, no that was um, Welsh. Uh, yeah, it was a road rage band. Oh, Catatonia. Ca- ca- Catatonia. Uh, yeah. And her name is. Uh, wow, her name is Luca. It. We're not talking she about her. We're talking about Justin. But can we talk about Tom Jones? I'm he, he's Look, great. I can't he let Andrew get away with this and not let you get away with Tom Jones. Um, you know what? Fuck this. We, I, know, I just like we definitely talked about her. Eagle-eared view, uh, listeners will remember and can let us know, and e- they can win a hottest one hundreds and thousands prize pack. We'll buy um, you a kakapo. We'll, we'll send you. <laughs> we'll send you a, a kakapo on the house. <laughs> we'll send you a link to a Tism video. I feel weird about big singles that are breakup songs for public relationships. That just feels weird to me. And getting like a choir in to sing on your breakup song. I remember reading about uh, Justine's reaction. And I reckon yeah. Adam has it right here. Cue it up. Um, well, she just recently revealed in a, in a British newspaper that the first time she heard the song, she was like, she couldn't deal with it. Like it made her totally like break down and cry. <laughs> she was like, I thought things were going fine. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. David Alvon. Oh no! <laughs> no, they're not. And also, like she, yeah, she said she was embarrassed by the whole and angry, thing. And, and angry and a bit like I get Oof. why you would have that, but I, I, yeah. I don't have as much of a problem with public breakup songs. I guess. Do you um, take issue with uh, Ariana Grande's "Thank You Next"? That's a really nice one, though. Yeah, I guess. I guess not. I didn't pay super close attention to the lyrics but he's not like calling her a bitch and stuff no no no, no, no like, absolutely it's the breakup oh, no. song yeah, yeah. I, think, I don't think like, there's something barely we... comes into it to me like this is about his experience yeah, that's fair. you know what I mean because it and I love it I love that this is a breakup song yeah, but, I, I, honestly I, I, I love this song it's, yeah, nice. yeah. This oh, fucking, it's a fucking amazing it, song yeah, yeah yeah okay great um, but like the fact that it is a breakup song and it's painted in this cinematic dust bowl kind of way and the chorus is come on come on get through it it's like you're painting the the journey of grieving a relationship as a long dusty hard oregon trail dysentery infected <laughs> journey i love that it's love you know dysentery. loved it then yeah. i had it just the other night yeah. it was great you, uh pro tip listeners if you want to shed those extra pounds just get dysentery <laughs> there is so much wrong with what you just said oh my god <laughs> Time out, mate. <laughs> I hope you've all been enjoying Andrew's final episode. She's <laughs> a bad one. <laughs> it, it has such a cinematic dimension to it as well. And you can sense the idea of, like, trying to keep it together in this song as well. You know, I have a job to do. And I don't know. I just think that the whole country aspect of it, but also, like, the huge communal 
joining together of it as well. There's something in that about it mm. being a very personal breakup song and about projecting that outwards. I, well, that's I, the thing. It's simultaneously very personal and entirely universal. Right. You know, exactly. no, one's, no one's mentioned by name. No one, there's nothing specifically referred to. It's just that that night we went to the Oasis show in London to pick a fight <laughs> with the Gallaghers. <laughs> oh, you were so beautiful that night. No, it, it, it's nothing like that. You know, it's not. It's not. <laughs> It's like a date night for Blur. Going and fighting the Gallagher's. I mean, I mean, according to the press, that's it. all they did. All they did was think about the Gallagher's. Yeah. Well, Damon and Graham um, uh, played this with Noel. Yeah, they did. Uh, for a charity thing. So, <laughs> there you go. There we so go. There we go. I get... Um, because like the gospelness of it all spiritualized, yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, I get mad spiritualized oh, vibes from this. It fucking is. Yeah. Particularly, I get the three quarter mark when he's going like the um, oh my baby. It's like oh man, this is yeah. Like, this is, is, is spiritualized. In, in another world, that's Jay Spaceman singing this, and yeah. he just because oh, there's gospel. It's about loss. He's a heroin addict. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much a spaceman song. <laughs> I reckon Graham yeah. would definitely be a fan. Yeah. I actually really love as well, like the the chances when when Graham sings a bit, like it sounds, it's just getting that difference in voices really works. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, we're about to get a song of his uh, that will be a lead vocal song. Yeah, that's another obscure song. I'm assuming you yeah. haven't heard that one. Uh, maybe, not, maybe jokes I on you when I haven't. So <laughs> maybe I haven't. But this all comes together I really like the the long nature of it all it's natural when you're listening to this song to question is this too long and is this too repetitive because it's very long and it is very repetitive but I think both of those things are fundamental to what the song is trying to do yeah long and repetitive is okay in these kind of things like that because I, 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 I reckon Hey Jude sucks like it's <sighs> whoa like the second half goes on way too goddamn long it's the ah, same thing fuck I just <sighs> cut myself on that edge you just brought me <laughs> up <laughs> Um, well, you, but you're not a Beatles head. No, exactly. Yeah. But, um, so, like, that's kind of that's all. That's a bang oh, your brand. Yeah. Oh my god. But, but I love this. Everyone's think, on brand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think this is very beautiful. Works as a breakup song. Works as a dissolution of blur song. Mm. Works as an experience of like you got to get through it, no matter what this hard experience mm. is for a listener song. Mm. Like you listen to a really tying podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Come on, get through it. Yeah. You gotta get no, through it. I, lo- I love this song too, and so do the 23 million people that have streamed <laughs> it on Spotify. Smash that plus 15. <laughs> Smash that plus 15. <laughs> plus 15 is the greatest plus thing. 30. <laughs> it does, like, I, yeah, I, I really love it too. It makes me think, though, like, this is such a closing night of Glastonbury song I think this this really comes out of the environment of Britain in the 90s in terms of like the legacy of the Beatles being very strong between all the Britpop bands you can't even see the stage because everyone's up on one another's shoulders all the flags are up in the air and just then the culture they have of those massive music festivals that we like can't imagine here in Australia because we just don't have the people for it yeah but Mm. that's that's where this song lives and I think like it would be really unusual and hard for an Australian band to write a song like this. There's just a different landscape in terms of the way that huge amounts of people engage with music in yeah. the UK to hear. Anyway, beautiful song. Yeah, fucking great song. Who knew they had it in them? Well, it's very different to all the other blur that we've talked about. <laughs> all we needed was for a good relationship to die. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Oh, sorry, I was just, uh, just clearing my throat there. Uh, at number 56, this is Metallica and the San Francisco Symphony with No Leaf Clover. Clover. 
was Metallica with the San Francisco Symphony, S&M, if you will. Uh, coming in at number 56 in the 1999 Hottest 100, the song is No Leaf Clover. It is one of two uh, songs, or- original songs, uh, that were uh, put together purely for the double live album S&M, which otherwise almost entirely consisted of reworked Metallica songs with the backing of an orchestra. Now, Adam. Yeah. You were there. You were you were in the you were in the chair. You were second violin. Uh you know, I wasn't, but I did my darndest as a teenager to put myself there. I this was a seriously big album for me oh, as a yeah. teenager. Did you have the DVD? I had the DVD. Hell fucking yeah. I had the you concert did. DVD and I had the C D. We were talking about Vast and I said like this would be the kind of shit I would go nuts for in high school because it's huge. Mm. I could not get enough of just big music. I just wanted things to be big and sweeping and dramatic. And man, whatever else you have to say about Symphony and Metallica, S&M, the double live album... It's, it's huge. a big boy. It's, it's a, f- a f- it's a lot. <laughs> it's a fucking big chunky oh, boy. Lordy coming. Oh, oh lordy coming. Yeah. <laughs> so originally, and I didn't know this, but apparently this is an idea that Metallica as a band had been sitting on for ages. Because when you look at this, you're tempted to just be like, "That's enough fame for you guys." <laughs> if you if you as a, as a heavy metal band are in a position that you can do this and that it and you can make this happen, we need to stop. <laughs> You've grown too powerful. And you know maybe there's something in the fact that directly after this we had the events that unfurled as documented in some kind of monster with the band basically just kind of like broke down. Like yeah! they, they were not really in a good place when this was kind of happening. But the idea from it came way back with original bassist Cliff Burton. Way back in the, like the, the kill em all, ride the lightning days. He said, wouldn't it be cool because he himself was a fan of classical music. Um, wouldn't it be cool if you know a heavy metal band performed with a symphony orchestra? All right, so I am quite familiar with the S&M album mm. and, you know, starting off in a fair and even-handed kind of way in, in talking about this because I'm sure there are some opinions in the room uh, about what's going on here. Some moments sing, some moments don't. It's very much, for the most part on that album, Metallica taking their already written songs as heavy metal songs and sometimes as thrash metal songs and then tasking Michael Kamen who is the, the the head of the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra for this project to kind of put string arrangements around it sometimes it doesn't work so well sometimes it kind of it kind of does but it is I think that inconsistency does run throughout it but it's mm. always interesting to hear you're attentively listening to it because there's a lot going on and because it's it's interesting and unexpected and it does create a lot of variation within the songs, which can sometimes be distracting and actually take away from the songs, you know, those those busy string arrangements, because it is very busy as well. I can definitely see a world where those those symphony kind of arrangements were, were less intricate. So this song is the exception in the sense that it was actually written for this project. There was another one called yeah. Minus Human as well. And I think f- because of that, everything locks in a little bit better. And I actually think like there's some interesting songwriting going on for Metallica in this song, Especially considering that we're coming out of the Load Reload era. There's a little bit more craft. I think in general, just as a written song, it's of a higher quality than some of the others that we've encountered recently. Mm. The lyric 
and it comes to be that the soothing light at the end of your tunnel is just a freight train coming your way is quite bad. <laughs> uh, I see what you're going for, but that's like some fucking bad poetry, James. It's pretty deep for fucking Hetfield. Take another run at it, mate. <laughs> like, yeah! Otherwise, the song's kind of written about, you know, the classic Metallica thing, you know, the... The, the doe-eyed protagonist going up against the world that's going to take it for all it's worth and everything. You live in a cruel, uncaring universe. Like, classic Metallica stuff that all basic songs kind of revolve around. And in terms of, like, actually coming to criticise the song, uh, I think I'm going to tap out because <laughs> I've made, I made the mistake... Oh, come with, on. I made the mistake with Everlast. No, no. We heard what it was like with Everlast. <laughs> where I was like, this you, song's you, you great. Like- <laughs> and then by the end of that discussion, I was like, wait, no. <laughs> nostalgia has rotted my brain. And this I have even more attachment to in a nostalgic way than Everlast. Hmm. So I've delivered the facts and I've given some slight opinions that I can muster. Counterpoint. Do your fucking job. <laughs> come on, man. Uh- I second guess myself way too much. It just like mm. I, I that's the nature of the beast, man. I do it all the time. There are elements about it that I'd still really enjoy. Something like some of them are ironic, like the way James Hetfield goes, "Comes to be." Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this and, is the closest he's ever gotten to a falsetto, and it's just huh. for that it, one second. But you're like, "Oh, I got you." It's it's some of James's stronger songwriting for this era, and it's some of his stronger vocal performances for this era as well. No doubt. And I think that part both of those things were because you've been thrown off your, your default. You, all yeah. of a sudden, you know you have to compose with the symphony orchestra. I, I guess it resets you and puts you in a different environment in terms of your songwriting where you would approach your craft in a completely different way. So, like, I don't know. I guess I think it's pretty good. I, guess I, don't, I, think, I don't think it's too bad either. Like, like for, for what it is, it could be way worse than it is. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, and, what, and like, I think the main problem I have with it, apart from, like, not being a big Metallica fan, um, is that what has come after this in terms of metal and symphonic music eclipses this in terms of the unity of that like you think of like, I, I hear like like Devin Townsend's some of his stuff where he mm. combines symphony and metal music and oh stuff. and we all love Septic Flesh and like <laughs> that as well um, yeah. the way that those acts and contemporary symphonic and metal music work together feels more cohesive as a unit compared to this just feels like Metallica song string part Metallica song string part yeah all, yeah yeah, it yeah. Did, as I said like that cohesiveness it is very much momentary throughout yeah. the course of yeah. the and, and, yeah. Never, and, and, yeah and those are the bits where it's, where it's at its best where, where they are working together rather than it feeling just like someone's gotten two separate tracks and meshed them together in a kind yeah. of way yeah but it's, it's the difference between like later bands composing a song with orchestral parts and composing a song for an orchestra to play with or around. Yeah. That's a fucking wild thing to have happened. Totally. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Like I think, at, honestly, at that, at that scale. It's, it's all right. Like, you know. Like, it, yeah. it, it's perfectly serviceable. Like, yeah. it, it's not super painful to listen to. It's, it's not as dorky <laughs> as it could be. Yeah. Like, the idea of them saying, no, no, our music is suited for the symphony. There's a certain humility to it that I think doesn't exist in other Metallica songs. Yeah, I don't know how much That's I would fair. pay this if the the orchestra wasn't there. Yeah. And that opening kind of riff, like, the orchestra bit sounds really good there. Yeah. Like, and it just sounds big and triumphant. So and that's clearly what, what they're going for. Like, yeah, there are some really dud lines in there <laughs> and moments where you're like, yeah. oh, I wish it was anyone else but Metallica. Like, you know, whatever. But, like... It works. Like, they wrote a song with an orchestra, and it's a big hard rock 
you know, metal adjacent song and sure. I think the thing that I enjoyed most about SM as a kid is that like it really triggered my imagination in ways that the originals kind of didn't. Like it took that to a next kind of level. Like yeah, it, nice. it really took what the song was and then just like expanded it. And I, I reacted really well to that. Nice. It was yeah. just, I never thought we would get to talk about anything from the SNM album. I yeah. would never have guessed that it made it into the hottest 100. <gasps> interesting that uh, you guys didn't hate it. Yep. Mm. Pretty interesting. That is interesting. <laughs> Pretty interesting, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you guys aren't slaves to your brand. <laughs> <laughs> After all. Full of surprises and today. And it comes to be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a no-leaf clover is just a stem, right? And it could be anything. <laughs> like... <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you mean, yeah! I mean, yeah! That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hardest 100s and Thousands. Yeah! Thank you very much for listening, and thanks to FB, yeah, for having us. Uh, Much, much appreciated. Before we get out of here, we are going to pick our favorites, our least favorites, and continue that ever-continuing story of Carry Over Champ and Carry Over Chump. Andrew? David? What do you got? My favourite, uh, I'm going to uh, give it to Blur, Tender. I think it's a very, very beautiful song. There you um, go. My favourite, though, is Unchanged and Remains. My, my least favourite this episode is... None of these are terrible. I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to give it to Metallica, but I, I don't hate that song at all. But that's, yeah, my, right. that's my least favourite of the five. Yeah, cool. Uh, I'm going to give it to Vast for this episode. Vast? Yeah. For fave? For favourite of the episode. Yeah, right. Wow. Oh. Yeah. And my least favorite for this episode is Machine Gun Fellatio, but I am going to hold on to Hallways by Something for Kate as my carryover champion. And Ben Harper. Remember that? Yeah. I gave it to him. <laughs> yeah, Hashtag never forget. <laughs> I don't really, really love or hate any of these songs. I'm going to give uh, Blur fave um, and Machine Gun Fellatio least fave. Huge non-slave brand not giving it to Metallica out of, you know... Um, You proved me wrong. But I will will keep my champ and chump as we're going out tonight and uh, every morning. Okay, cool. Uh, My favourite, I'm going to go with Blur. And my least favourite, yeah, probably Vast. But even then, I still really liked it. Like, I love all these songs. Uh, Champ and chump remain. Canned heat and sun is shining. So that'll do us for another week. Join us once again where we unleash the Kakapo and we head into the final part of the first half. We're almost, (laughs) we are almost at the Bon Jovi position. On behalf of Mr. Andrew McDonald. David. That's me. On behalf of Mr. Adam Buncher. Adam. And on behalf of Mr. Nathan Harrison. Uh, Bluster Murphy. Hey! We can all agree. Oh, boy. A beautiful baby boy. Woo! My name is David James Young. Everything is good for you. Yeah!